HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. It's December 3rd, 2013. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal in New York City. We've got a great lineup tonight. We have James Ty, a Cicerone who's uh, running the beer program at Pinch in Yonkers, New York, the ultimate uh, New York State you know, 100-tap uh, beer program, which is pretty awesome. Uh, one of our favorite brewers in New York, uh, Kelly Taylor from Kelso. He's here. Kelly, how are you? I'm doing well. And I made you, it. I made it across town. And you're going to pour us a beer on air, which always sounds it's, and tastes it's good. It's very exciting. Yeah. And as an author, uh, we met him this summer, Michael J. Malone. He's been hanging out at the Captain Lawrence Tasting Room up in, up in Westchester. And he, and he published a, a book of your notes, Notes from the Captain Lawrence Tasting Room. All That's right. right. Yep. So there's a little bit of a Westchester vibe here. Westchester, if you don't know us in New York, there's a, it's a little county just north of New York City with a lot of history. But, uh, James, so you're in, in Yonkers. And there's a restaurant pinch. That's yep. in Westchester. Kelly, you actually live in Westchester. That's the only connection. Yep. And Mamaronek, right? Mamaronek. <laughs> Mamaronek. Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, well, interestingly enough, uh, Sonia even, she, uh, she graduated high school in Yonkers um, in uh, 1989. She went to... Go Yonkers. Yeah, yeah. man. She was, uh, and she took off running. <laughs> and, Michael, you, you used to live in the city, but you moved up to Westchester? Uh, yeah, I was in the East Village for about uh, 12, 13 years, and... Uh, when my son was born, like a lot of people, we, we kind of ran out of room and moved up to Westchester. All right. Let's start with James. James, uh, we've known you. You're at Beer Acolyte on Twitter. Yeah. We're at Beer underscore Sessions. Um, Absolutely. You keep popping up. Last time we talked, you you were partners in a, a small brew pub in, in India. Right. And uh, last spring, we were checking out s- some Hudson Valley uh, breweries. You are a guide, and through you, we met guys from Rushing Duck and Broken Bow and, and, and Yonkers. Um, tell us about the, about Pinch. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to. Pinch is a um, it's pretty much um, an American steakhouse grill uh, serving classics, uh, anything from I guess prime prime rib for two to a Monte Cristo. So you know, we kind of hark back to a little bit of the retro diner kind of scene, and you can see that uh, in the the decor of of the restaurant itself. Uh, it's Part of uh, again, part of the Empire City Casino. Uh, Ducasse Studios is involved in that as well, so uh, it's a pretty strong team. That uh, so it's like that. Alain Ducasse, the famous chef. Yeah, yeah, that guy. You know, he, he does good work. What's yeah. the what's the what's pinch? So pinch, <laughs> and that's a good question, and we get that a lot. Yeah, uh, pinch really refers to, I, I guess, it's a culinary unit of measurement. You know, so you know, it's not ah. a teaspoon or something. It's a right. pinch or it's something, a, a pin, like a dash, right? Slightly exactly. less than a dash, exactly. And so that kind of uh, connotes just the the easiness and the the laid back uh, nature of of the uh, establishment. So, so you, you right. only serve very small pours. Is that <laughs> <laughs> everything? Is only very, for you, Jimmy. Everything's very <laughs> subtle. <laughs> I pour I pour Jimmy a small one, and I give the rest to Kelly. So that's, <laughs> there you that's go. That's what I'm talking about. So what, what I'm most <laughs> what I'm most interested in about about this project is that first of all, 
you're involved in, in, in selecting all the beers. That's right. Anyway, it's it's only New York State beers. Yes, only New York State beers, and I think um, everybody that's involved, uh, from you know senior management of the casino uh, to Monsieur Decas himself, you know, we feel really strongly about uh, supporting like you know local industry, um, and that's uh, something that is kind of tasked uh, with me, and I I really kind of run with that, and it's it's really easy to do so because there are a lot of fantastic breweries in the state, um, sitting next to. Uh, a fellow that makes a few of them uh, himself. Um, so uh, we, we do we do that, and we kind of promote everything that's local, um, and it makes a lot of sense environmentally, uh, quality wise. How, how did you, how did you get on this path? I mean, you, you started working there. You're you know a beer expert, a cicerone. Yeah. Um, so who decided that it was going to be all New York State beers? Well, it was it was decided. I'll, I'll just put it that way. <laughs> um, and that because of that, you know. It, it was easy to do so because there's so many great breweries again. I mean, I, I cannot underscore that. New York State, I, I mean, they, it can go toe-to-toe with a lot of different regions in the United States and ostensibly, you know, the world when it comes to great beers. So, right. We're going to be up there next Thursday. Next Wednesday. Well, next Wednesday, the yes, 11th. Exactly. The 11th. You know, I, got for, the, I got the date right. So, yeah, we have yeah. Uh, an event coming up next Wednesday. It is uh, called the 2-Hour Tap Attack. Uh, we're featuring five different breweries. Uh which are going to be uh, situated in each of our five self-serve tables. Um, so the concept is uh, the brewer is going to come in, hang out at the table, and just kind of greet everybody that comes in and hang out and have beers, uh, you know, nosh them over some finger foods and just talk, talk good stuff. You said self-serve tables. Is that the kind with the, the tap and the credit card? And the- it's, uh, it's got, obviously, it's got the tap, but uh, we, we open it up. Uh, it's, there's, it yeah, there's no credit card there, but it's kind of like a, like you know, you know those gas station meters. Um, so you have four for a table. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, because yeah. I've seen that in some other places where you go in and you you sit at you sit at a tap and you just kind of <laughs> kind of go. I kind of think that's where I'm going to put my <laughs> mouth under the tap. Yeah, well, you keep not, it running. Yeah, you can't you, do that. You though. would. Yeah, I think you would be out in very short order. They would kick me out. <laughs> It'd be like you out. <laughs> well, you got to buy the whole tap. Then, right? yeah. Yeah, well, I'm doing a new thing at my place. Where, no, I can't do this. But imagine you just reach across the bar and you pour your own beer from your customer side. You uh, yeah, I've seen customers do that. Not supposed to do. Not that. supposed to. Do I that. don't think that's not, part of it. It's frowned upon. It's frowned upon. Well, that's, that's, I, mean, I like this, but Westchester. So, I mean, tell us some of the breweries in Westchester that you've discovered because some of them I'd never heard of. Okay, yeah. until this year. Yeah, some. I mean, some of the great ones that we've really been working with. Um, you know, Broken Bow uh, out of Tuckahoe. Uh, they have just come on board like in the last few months. Uh, Michael Lamoth does some great stuff out there. Uh, Rushing Duck, who was on last week, if I'm yeah, Nikki Cavanaugh yeah. and, and her bow. Yes, yeah, uh, they make fantastic beer. The being at Coffee Port is one of my favorites, actually. You know, so uh, props to them on that. Uh, New Brick Brewing, uh, Chris Basso, uh, you know, formerly of Brooklyn Brewery, uh, and Paul out there, they they do some fantastic stuff too. Um, and one of my favorites, obviously, is Peekskill. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's not all. That's not necessarily Westchester, though. That's a, you know, not Westchester. That's Westchester, but it's oh, not, I mean, Valley. Cap- Captain Lawrence is kind of one of my thinking. You know, it's Westchester. So it's pretty good. Yeah, so this guy here, <laughs> we got Michael J. Malone. So he's so been haunting. Is a segue haunting the <laughs> tasting it. room. So the big thing was, so Captain Lawrence used to be in, in Pleasantville. Yep. They, they and were now in, where is it? Uh, they're in Elmsford. Elmsford. So that's so, another place in Westchester. Uh, yeah, it's it's about maybe three miles away, closer to the city. Uh, just a, they needed a big space to brew beer and a big space for people to sample beer. So uh, found a good space. Kind of uh, right off a, a main road, but a little bit off the beaten path, and and lots of room for people to come. Kelly, have you been to the tasting room there? I have. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, like right behind a budget rental truck place. Or uh, something. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. do not park in the budget. Yeah, no, it, it looks kind of you know because you you uh, you go up there and you follow your GPS and follow the directions that uh, maybe Scott gave you, and <laughs> believe them or not, and then <laughs> and then uh, you get there, you're like, this is a budget rental truck place. Well, it's actually Captain Lawrence in disguise. They're in, they're in the back. <laughs> they're trying to keep away people. They're just so popular. Yeah, it's <laughs> the, the speakeasy approach. It's the speakeasy approach, Westchester version. <laughs> well, I know. We, so. we, we, we know Scott's been on the show, and every year at Cooperstown, he usually goes up and he does a little pig roast on the back of his pickup truck. Yep. And uh, I always ask him if he would do that at events, but does he do pig roast at the tasting room? Oh, sure. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Now, their first year in the new space, which was last year, uh, did not do it. But they did do it this year, and uh, it was 
it was a good event. There was some cornhole and a lot of beer, and a couple of pigs gave themselves to the cause. So, like, what about the Westchester beer scene? Do you like? I mean, you obviously go. You've been in the tasting room what every week for like two years. <laughs> yeah, I go every week as it's, you wrote this book. It's it's work, you know. I, I say to my my wife, I, I gotta I gotta go to work. I gotta go sample some beer and talk to some people. Um, but yeah, it's it's a, a really a growing scene, and it, it seemed as though Captain Lawrence was kind of the only one in town for a while. But uh, uh, some some good players, and uh, you know, more is always better. And it's always nice to see how. The Captain Lawrence guys always were very supportive of some of the, the newcomers, and you think there's this rivalry or this competition, but it is this sense of you know we are local craft beer guys and we got to stick together. Well, and you're right too, though it's you know it, it is a growing scene. There's there's really only a couple breweries that are physically located in Westchester, and a couple more that are up up the valley, and and the you, you go to a lot of bars, and I know having lived up there, and I go into a lot of bars at this point, and um, a lot of them are still pouring. You know, for lack of a better word, the the the, the mass market yep. craft. You know, yep. the, the Blue Moon and the the, the Samuel top. Adams and the Shock. T- <laughs> well, the Shock. A lot top. of Shock. Top. Yeah, you know, and then there's still a lot of a lot of overseas stuff, a lot of uh, products from from Europe, and I'm just. I'm just amazed at how I've never had shock top. At how kind of just there's it's about 20 years behind in the beer scene. Yeah, really. really. I yeah. mean, New York as a whole is a little bit behind from from the West Coast where I'm from originally. But so so the market is is just growing and that it's virtually untapped at this point. And that's why we can all kind of afford to be more friendly with each other. Yeah, <laughs> at this point because it's not it's not tooth and nail. But you but know, there right. is a public will towards that, though. I mean, we're seeing that. Definitely. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The market is definitely opening up. And, and, and it's definitely really ramping up. Yeah. You want to be? You want to be? Jimmy's Kelly, out of beer. Will you do your famous <laughs> yeah. on air beer right. porn? Let's see if this works. This is the beauty of the can. Wow. wow. Oh, that's nice, baby. That is not a sound effect. Let's, let's that really happened. What is? Which oh, one is this, Kelly? Yeah. This is the there blue can. There you go. This is this is the Pilsner, and uh, I brought it because it's in a pretty blue can, which is really good to bring on the radio. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Nobody really gets that, but um, there we go. One more. So th- this was our, our first beer that we put into cans. First beer canned Thank in you. Brooklyn since uh, so you, since the days of you, Rheingold. You're canning in the the brewery. Yep. Yeah, we have a, a mobile canning line that comes down. It's based out of Connecticut. This guy uh, named Tyler has got a company called Ironheart Canning, and uh, he puts a canning line on a truck. He hold, uh, warehouses my cans for me, loads up uh, however many cans I need. And you know what it sounds like? Them down it sounds like a, a, a Dr. Seuss kind of thing, where this guy comes into town. Yeah, it's very. He's kind of very Dr. Seuss esque. It's a cross between Dr. Seuss and Willy Wonka. <laughs> <laughs> you really ought to come over for canning day. It's a, it's mayhem. I think we should. <laughs> yeah. I think that would be pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, I, can't, I, mean, I, I mean, we know all the startup breweries. Are, you heard about them? They actually they put you know what twenty two ounces and they cap each one by hand. Yeah, but you guys, you did some limited edition. Yeah, I brought one bottles here. over the yeah, years. We'll talk yeah, about, we'll talk about. And that what did you have? You had all your guys lined up, and everybody just had a yeah. Hand, we, we have a hand li- cap them. Yeah, this is uh, we have the uh, the seven hundred fifty milliliter bottles because these are the these wine bottle size are the only way to really make that cost effective because we don't have a a line necessarily. It's all hand bottled, hand corked, hand this, hand labeled. That's why this doesn't have a label on it. I ran out of energy. You know, you know, get, you get the beer, you get it in there, you get it in the bottle, and you get it out, and and um, it becomes fairly expensive because there's a lot of labor involved. But that's why you can pull off these these barrel aged things. But yeah, you li- line everybody up, and you just schedule it for the day, and fire off a bunch of beer. We have said- a lot of stuff aging in barrels and oak barrels, and and some some high alcohol beers that are kind of laying down and conditioning in these in these bottles. And it's it's, it's fun to kind of mess around with. But our bread and butter and our the the whole thing with Kelso is is clean, simple, kind of elegant, and that's what we're going for in these in these cans. Is you got it's got a really nice, clean label. It's easy to read. It's it's a nice, accessible, uh, drinkable beer, and it's um, Kelly. Just walk us through the can. So it's a mobile canning unit, like yeah. a Doctor Seuss thing. It shows up. Yeah, yeah. He brings it down it's in got a big furry truck. He, he rolls it in um, and plugs it into our system, our power, our water, and everything, and uh, uh, gets it. And all do you have the cans already running. pre-made? Yeah, the cans come in in lots of fifty six thousand. And you buy those, or they bring? He already. <laughs> I uh, buy the cans buy them, uh, from so. the manufacturer and ship them to his warehouse because that's one of the the problems <clears throat> trying to package product, especially in a tight real estate market like New York City, is you don't have the space to hold the the uh, the raw material uh, and the the unpackaged product, the empty cans. They come in in uh, a container. 
of 56,000 cans, which is about, you know, 15 pallets. And I have nowhere to put those. So he came along, got the, not only does he have the, the canning line, which I don't have room for, but he also has the space to hold the empty cans. So when I say, okay, come down, let's, let's do 50 barrels of cans. So bring down a thousand cases worth and he'll bring them down, put them on his truck unload everything into my loading dock. I clear my loading dock out for the day and don't schedule any incoming or outgoing deliveries. We're now canning for the day. Loading dock's buckled down. And, um, and he just it, sits on the sidewalk. He's inside. He's, inside. he's in, comes inside, inside, which was good because it was raining the other day when he was down there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's inside, and, and he brings the empty cans in as we need them. And then uh, the cans go into our cold room. At the end of the day, he... Uh, cleans up his system and rolls it back outside and puts it on his truck and leaves. And we have a cooler full of empty of full cans that the distributor theoretically picks up like clockwork the next day if everything goes correctly. Yeah. So, wow. Well, one thing, yeah. like I so said, when we're talking about, you know, doing your own bottling line, you know, everyone's yeah. capping the, the, the bottles as they make them or whatever. How does the cans work? Like, is... Is the can, like, is the top open and then they put the top on? How, how does a canning machine work? Yeah, the canning machine's uh, really pretty simple. It's kind of fun to watch, and I'm very, very thankful that I don't have to maintain it because there's a lot of moving parts. But basically what happens is you get these empty cans without a, without a lid on them so that the whole top is open. And the cans come down, um, get rinsed, flipped upside down so that the, the rinse water drains out, flip right side up, get purged with CO2, go to another uh, station, Tube drops down inside the cans. We do four at a time. Tubes drop down, fill up with beer. You get a little foam on the top. It goes to the next station. A lid slides down um, from a like a little slide. Basically, looks like a kid's slide. This lid goes on there, kicks it over into a little machine that seams it, and it twists the can and pinches the corners of the lid, the lid and the can itself. And it just kind of pinches it and spins it and seams it up. And sends it off to the six-packer where you just put the six-pack rings on and, and then it comes shooting out the other side in six-packs. And it's, Assuming everything works properly, it's great. It's every once in a while you get the, 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 the can doesn't line up correctly with the lid and then you get this kind of half-can thing and it stops and the, and the whole machine kind of comes to a grinding halt. But then you just take out the crinkled can. This is kind of the, one of the beauties of it is even when you're bottling... And then you, you drink you, it? You have Yeah, you take it out and you drink it. But, um, <laughs> but when, when you're bottling, you have a lot of broken glass. Things break during the bottling runs. And then you got to sh- stop the whole thing, clean off the conveyor, because broken glass will continue to shred the conveyor. So you have a, a significant amount of downtime that you have to... Or you have an amount of downtime that you have to allocate uh, for the cost of the whole thing. With the cans, you get a can that gets crushed, you just kind of pull it off the line and continue to go, because it doesn't really doesn't gum up the, the system so is at the end of the day you have this kind of big pile of aluminum that is very highly recyclable is a very easily recycled and um very efficient process so you don't have a lot of uh, a lot of excess waste in the whole thing so it's, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of fun to watch kelly do, do you have t-shirts I'd t-shirt. i do not with me though. i'll tell you i'm, yeah. I'm going to do a fun thing maggie's on twitter right now at beer underscore sessions if you know the Dr. Seuss story where they have this traveling machine that they put the stars on the bellies and took the stars off the other bellies, yeah. if you know what I'm talking about, you're going to win a free Kelso t-shirt. So, yeah, that's a good so idea. So check that out. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right.
Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're talking about Dr. Seuss canning, canning systems and uh, Kelly from Kelso, James Ty from Pinch, and our, our new buddy, Michael Malone, who wrote notes from the Captain Lawrence Tasting Room. So there's a Twitter question out there. If you know, there's a Dr. Seuss story. I'm alluding to it. It's, it's kind of like a canning assembly line, but it's put, they put this way. You put stars on the bellies and they take it. Maggie's doing the Twitter right now. Go to adfear underscore sessions. You can win a Kelso t-shirt. That's all I'm going to say about it for now. So, uh, guys, welcome back. Um, we, we just drank the Kelso Pilsner. What's the next beer, Kelly? It sounds like uh, Kelso. If you don't mind, we'll just, yeah, we'll just finish this this uh, tasting off. But this is the uh, this is a quad bock that I did. It's actually oh, nice. not uh, entirely a Kelso quad bock. I did this for my anniversary of brewing for Heartland Brewery in the city. Thank you. So uh, it's really, but I, I'll bring that up. I mean, you, you really are one of the more accomplished brewers in the city because you're running a full production brewery. Full production brewery, yeah. We're doing uh, eighteen thousand barrels worth of production. Uh, about four thousand barrels of that is uh, Kelso right now, and then uh, five thousand barrels is or seven thousand barrels is Heartland Brewery, and then we're doing uh, some other breweries as well to top off our. Yeah, our but you did production. for a while. You did Six Point. You did Great South Bay. We've brought, yeah, we've brewed for Six Point and Great South Bay. We did Southampton for a while. Um, we we helped uh, Jeremy start the uh, Coney Island line originally. Um, we've uh, right now we're helping uh, other half brewing company uh, get rolling. Oh, it's your buddy Sam Richardson. Yeah, he was my former head yeah. brewer. Yeah, but he's uh, he's having a little issue with the city trying to get his his equipment turned on. So that's weird. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Hmm. Unbelievable. <laughs> the city is not uh, jumping all over themselves to get uh, new manufacturing up and running in the city. I, I don't understand it. But anyway, so we're helping him get some product into the field. And and uh, so we've brewed a lot of beer for a lot of people. Um, and it's been it's been very um, a very interesting ride. Uh, this beer is a beer, as I said, I did for Heartland Brewery. It's uh, 10% alcohol, uh, double bock, basically. Um it's just nice. nice, big, malty. One of my favorite styles of beer for this time of year, and if you think about holiday beers, I mean, I'm not against, like, you know, special Christmas ales, but I think there's so many really great styles, like Doppelbox and Porters and Belgian Quads, that to me I only drink from now to, like, Christmas, or that I don't necessarily need. I mean, how do you guys feel about specifically Christmas beers? I mean, to me, this is a Christmas beer. Yeah, I mean, this is this to me is uh, more of a mid-afternoon kind of beer. It doesn't really matter what time of year it is. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I spice beers. Are, I'm assuming Christmas beers meaning spice beers, right? That, that's what I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I feel like that, I feel like that. What, what's going on? There's enough winter, you know, style beers that I want to drink this time of year that I don't. Necessarily yeah, I mean, it's, need to have a Christmas spice beer, you know. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they're good. Sometimes, you know, it just it really is a matter of what you're uh, what you're in the mood for. I mean, I do plenty of spiced beers. Um, I get a little tired of spiced beers after the pumpkin onslaught. You know, you get the pumpkin beers start coming out in, in uh, August now, which is a little much. But you know, sometimes it's nice to have a, a little bit of spice to it. You know, as you could tell from from this quad bock just by tasting it, it's got that. That higher alcohol, the caramelization, quad yeah. uh, the, the p- almost kind of a plummy, pruny, rum raisiny kind of thing going on to it. So it's kind of got all of its own things going on. Anyway, you wouldn't want to put any spices in there at all. But at the same token, um, we're doing a uh, for Heartland. We're doing the uh, the old Red Nose, which is a five and a half percent alcohol, orange and cinnamon. It's it's really nice, and I'll drink that just straight up or maybe i'll put it in a big pot and simmer it with some with some cloves and a little bit of rum you know it kind of give yourself a little bit of flexibility to do whatever you want to do and just have fun with it enjoy that's kind of the theme of the holidays right it's just really enjoy yourself and enjoy the flavors and how everything kind of bounces off each other and it's great no i love it and yeah. james at, at pinch i mean you've got a hundred lines of new york new york state beer right do you bring in seasonal beers you know are there any new york state Holiday beers, winter beers that you really like? Um, I yeah, I mean, I, I like a lot of them, but I mean, back to your point, I, I agree. I think sometimes the when you get a little bit too like if you be, if you beat someone over the head a little bit too much with the seasonality of it, that can get a, a little bit too much. And so I, I appreciate the fact that, especially drinking this quad bock right here, I mean, it has a lot of qualities that make sense, you know, in this kind of like you know colder winter months and stuff. Um, and I I like, I mean, I definitely get a lot of rum raisin coming out from that. And for me, you know that that that's a really nice. You know, there's a, there's a great German beer. I just uh, we're at Roberta's in Bushwick and Brooklyn, and they, and they always they they change their draft lines. And tonight I came in, and there's the Kumbacher Icebach. 
which right. is another great oh, kind of winter that. style, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. But I, I think that definitely, like in I think inherently in in these traditions of Belgium and Germany and England in particular, there are beers that are for cold weather, you know. Um, yeah. You know, barley wines and, and Doppelbox and. Uh, if anything, I want to drink more of them. That's the whole global global warming thing. Is that I, I don't want an eternal spring. You know, I want I want cold weather. I want to drink my dark beers. Right? Yeah. Well, it's kind of a it's kind of a funny thing. You know, coming for me coming from the Pacific Northwest, where it's kind of cold all the time anyway. You know, it's 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 really interesting because you're here uh, in the Northeast. Your your seasons the seasons are so uh, distinct. And you get these frigid cold winters and you get these summers that are just baking. You don't want to have that double bock or spiced beer when it's 100 degrees outside. In fact, we were talking about pumpkins coming out early. we got to start brewing pumpkin in July. And it's about 100 degrees inside the brewery. And the last thing you want to smell is cinnamon and cloves. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people say, well, I don't know. You have cinnamon all the time. No, no, no. no. You know, cinnamon is a warming herb or a warming spice. Excuse me. And it... It, it just smelling it makes you a little bit warmer, and I can tell you to tell you that when it's 100 degrees and you smell cinnamon, you feel like you're going to explode. <laughs> it's not not a good way. And what about up, up at Captain Lawrence? So like, let's you've been hanging out in the taste. Tell us about some of the experiences you've had spending many weekends in the tasting room at Captain Lawrence, and that led you to write the book. Yeah, um, right. typically I'll go for. Uh, Maybe just an hour, a little bit more than an hour or so, and sometimes I'll bring my kids. And uh, when I bring my kids, they will pick out the people that I should approach Good and one, speak Kelly. with. Um, Kelly's poor always sounds true. <laughs> it does. It does. It is, it is true. So it, it, the good thing, you know, I'm a journalist, so I'm accustomed to resistant sources, and, and the Captain Lawrence experience has been diametrically different in that people have had a few drinks, they're in a good mood, they're happy to be there, they're very approachable. I, I, and I, I mentioned this in the preface of the book, I've probably interviewed about a thousand people there and uh and only one was ever kind of standoffish and, and he did come up after five minutes later and said hey you know i'm sorry i'm i'm just a, a cranky person by nature so it's you know it's been fun meeting a lot of people and kind of catching them in a good mood sort of the opposite of being a doctor or a dentist where you catch people where they just don't want to be there cheers all right cheers, cheers. so this is this is a winter ale with spices from captain lawrence yeah. And what are some of the beers that you really enjoyed the most from Captain Lawrence over the years? Um, you try like everything. So what do you at the tasting room? They put everything up, don't they? Uh, well, they, yeah, I, pretty much. I mean, at any given time, there are three or four pilot system small batch beers. Uh, and then there's the, the regular lineup of uh, seven or eight. Um, so when I came in two years, almost two years ago, I, I loved the fresh Chester Pale Ale, but my palate has gotten a little more hops hungry, so I, I like the uh, the India Pale Ale now. I would think that of, of the breweries that, that, that you know, in particular, James, I mean, you really have met so many great new breweries in New York State. Mm. I mean, this idea of like what Captain Lawrence said, it's like kind of an industrial space, you know, old warehouse that's now a brewery with a tasting room. I was down in Cape May, New Jersey. You know, there's Cape May Brewing. The, it's the same kind of thing. It's in like that strip with like the budget around the car and, yeah. you know, the airport next door. And, and, and they have a really great it, – it's yeah. a draw. I mean, don't you want to – I mean, that's what I would do on the weekends. I mean, I want to go to – if I wasn't living in the city, I would go to breweries on the weekends. Yeah. Are, there, are there any other breweries up in the Hudson Valley and Westchester that have the same kind of feel with this like, kind of great tasting room vibe? I know Peekskill is Peak a great place got to go. Yeah. yeah, Peekskill's great. I know Yonkers, they're about to open up their tasting room pretty soon, too. Right, and right, that, right. that's going to be really fantastic. You know, I can't wait to go there. And, I, I mean, I think Broken Bill has, like, a nice feel to it, too. It's right behind, if I'm not mistaken, it's like a self-storage facility. I know it's right across from, like, you know, a car upholstery service so it's it's got that same industrial vibe there's a yeah there's a new one opening in uh, in the bronx too i mean obviously bronx breweries uh brewing operations oh, almost completed yeah. and um uh, gun hill brewing company former brewmaster of chelsea brewing company uh, oh, which one christian gun gun hill brewing company Ch- uh, christian and where's that going to be that's uh that's on gun hill road in the bronx wow yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's uh almost operational at this point so this is a this is a tasty winter ale from captain lawrence well, uh, ale made with spices, but the spices are. I like it because the spices are more subtle. You know, they're not. It's not. Yeah. If, if you get those really heavy-handed cinnamon, gingery things, it, it's too much. This is just. You know, it's spiced, but it tastes like a nice beer, and it's just. It's really easy to drink, and that's. That's 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 what I'm looking for in a, in a you, holiday you can, beer. You can definitely taste through and, and taste the beer on that. So yeah, you can taste, yeah. Absolutely. It's supposed to taste like a beer. It's not supposed to taste like. 
punch. Yeah, the, the pumpkin, <laughs> right. Pumpkin ale is similar, where, where you get yeah. a, a nice pumpkin flavor, but you're not bonked over the head with pumpkin. Yeah. I li- some of the other winter styles I like, um, like you know Sam Smith, the, the winter warmer. Was it winter warmer or winter welcome? I can't remember. But um, you know, when I first started drinking beer, that was one of my favorites. And this is a kind of winter warmer style of beer. It's kind of like this, a winter ale. You know. Yeah. Well, but Jimmy, you got to remember. That you get- you shouldn't drink so many European beers. You drink a lot of European beers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I used to. It informed, it informed my palate. Oh, yeah. That's true. That's, so that's, that's, that was your awakening. I'm mostly, but I'm, that's why James is <laughs> on. I'm mostly drinking New York State beers these days. Right. That's right. true. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I want to just... Jersey, local, I local kick, beers. We did our yeah. battle, annual Battle of the Belgians a few weeks ago at Jimmy's number 43. And of the American beers, your Kelso Fuku really placed high. It was, it was one of the, the top scoring Thank beers. Thank you. That's a, that's a fun one. Uh, people don't really understand what's going on in that beer. <laughs> yeah, because you're making so many great. Like, what is Kelso Fuka? Well, that, that was a beer we designed with the Mama Fuku Group, which has a. You know, if you're not familiar with that, they have a pretty high end uh, American Asian fusion kind of thing going on, um, and they're very very particular about their flavors. Um, the characteristic flavor of their restaurants and what we were looking for in this beer is lightly smoky, lightly salty, a little bit of fruitiness to it. So what we did was a uh, basically a wit beer. Uh, with uh, it's a, a wheat beer with uh, wheat beer yeast, so it's got that natural fruitiness to it. Uh, and then we added uh, smoked malt, a little bit of sour malt, give it some extra acidity, a little bit of smokiness, and then table salt uh, at the end to give it that. Yeah, that the salt, little, little so salty. Actually, so it's a so you it's have a, fruity, a sour smoky. or sour malt. Yeah, there's a sour malt. They usually use the sour malt in wheat beers anyway to give it a little bit more brightness, a little bit more acidity. Um, we use a, a more a higher percentage of the sour malt to give it a little bit more of a tang to help offset the smokiness, and then we threw the table salt in there just to give it that really interesting, uh, lack of a better term, salty finish. It was uh, it was a really interesting beer. It's four and a half percent alcohol. Goes really well with ramen, incidentally, for whatever reason. Yeah, like a shio ramen or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, it's delightful. I'm starving. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about uh, malts and, and local grains that, that, that Kelly and I are working on a special project. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. You're listening to Kill Me in the Summertime by Dead Stars on Heritage Radio Network. So you like good beer. Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the Great Beer Test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app, which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit GreatBrewers.com today. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're out here at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Looking forward to a, a nice meal afterwards because we always have food and beer together. Mm. We like that. We're talking about New York State beers. Uh, we got James Tyre from Pinch, Kelly Taylor from Kelso, and uh, i got to read this. Michael J. Malone, who wrote Notes from the Captain Lawrence Tasting Room. So uh, I just want to say that you know we're we're goofing around a little bit about Doctor Seuss, but Kelly, you got you got to spill the beans. We, we put it out on Twitter. Uh, I we were talking about the mobile canning line, and somehow made me think about this Doctor Seuss image. 
What's the story that we were talking about? Well, we're, we're Kelly's the only one that knew. He gets the, <laughs> yeah. Unless somebody well, does it on Twitter right now, Kelly wins a free Kelso t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> the only one that knew. Well, it happens to be one of the uh, favorite stories of my, uh, my son. My son's almost four years old, uh, Cameron, and he, uh, he loves the story of the pot bellied sneeches. The star bellied sneeches, I'm sorry. Um, so they're, you know, kind of little yellow creatures that have stars on their bellies. Uh, some of them do, some of them don't. The ones with the stars on their bellies say that they're, uh, they're better than the ones that don't have stars. So then the ones that don't have stars hire this guy that comes in with this little mobile starring machine and stars their bellies up, and then, uh, then everybody's got stars. So then the ones that had stars want to have the stars removed. So luckily this guy has another machine that will remove the stars, and then there's this big conveyor line, and he's just making a killing, and that kind of reminded us of, of my mobile cannon guy. And that's what we're about, the mobile <laughs> cannon guy. That's all I could think of. Yeah. It's someone from Dr. Seuss. So. Yeah. And, and James, I know you have you have some children. No, yeah, I was going to say, and then all the sneeches went out for some pints of oatmeal stout. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's, right. what that's how they turned into potbellies. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. But you know, we, we did want to clue you, and there was a, a real reference to this Dr. Seuss thing. But I mean, that's what I think of. You know, you 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 guys are brewing, and so many of the, the breweries start off just making kegs, and you know, starting up a canning line, it's like this huge crazy process. But that's all I picture was this Dr. Seuss kind of machine coming in. Well, it's not unlike that in the sense that uh, there's a need in the market, and somebody recognized that need. Now, in, in this case, there's a lot of mobile canning lines and mobile bottling lines uh, on the West Coast. Um, originally started off for the wineries in Sonoma, um, but they, they started branching out and doing more microbreweries in, uh, up and down the West Coast. And so it's a known entity. It's a known uh, engineering, it's a known business model that really makes a lot more sense out here where real estate is more expensive. People just aren't packaging in the way that they are out, out on the West Coast. I mean, you know, commercial real estate on the West Coast is like $2 per square foot per year for a commercial space, whereas out here it's 20 <laughs> You know, so you, you just don't put a lot of uh, a lot of manufacturing equipment if you don't if you don't need it and if you can sell the the draft you know it's a little bit kind of a boring story but anyway so it's it's prohibitive to put in a lot of machinery here so it makes sense to have it mobile and when you go up and have a little warehouse up in Connecticut and then feed anywhere between Boston and Philadelphia and out into Pennsylvania uh, western uh, eastern Pennsylvania you can hit a lot of different small breweries that didn't have the opportunity to put their beer into package like this. So consequently, you're going to be seeing a lot more cans coming up, which is good and bad for me. <laughs> you know, I'm using them, I'm utilizing the mobile canning, but there's going to be a lot more beer in cans that you wouldn't have seen before because people didn't have the resources to either buy the cans, which I mentioned 56,000, you have to buy half a truckload up front, or to buy the machine or both, regardless. Anyway, so that's kind of like the star bellied sneech. <laughs> James, w- would you serve craft beer cans at Pinch? I would absolutely serve craft beer in cans. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, and it's arguably, you know, maybe the best portable form uh, that's out there. Yeah, one one of the things I was talking to my head brewer uh, Peter about this the other day uh, with the cans is it's interesting. I have had my my beer on draft in a variety of different restaurants, and of course, you think draft is better, but if you think about the uh, the, the the what the beer is touched uh, by the time it comes into a pint glass and the pint glass itself there's there's a lot more points of contact that are outside the brewery's control when the beer is coming out in a in a on a draft system because you have the keg couplers and the draft system and the glycol cooling and the CO2 dispense and the gas blend at the restaurants and all that stuff whereas with the can it's done all in your brewery then then you got to worry about how the temperature and how it's held because people have a tendency to hold cans and cases of beer out at room temperature until they're ready to drink them, which you shouldn't do with craft product. Right. Craft product should always be held refrigerated. But at the same token, this this once it's opened, it's consumed. You don't have to worry about uh, the, the draft system and the beverage lines yeah, and, and, and all, you know, that like, whole thing. So it's kind of an interesting... You know, Oscar Blues, the Dale's Pale Ale, I mean, that's something that I drink a lot. Of. I can buy it at the supermarket. And I'll, I always pour it into a glass. You know, yeah, well, you if, should. if I'm buying a crab beer, I pour it in the glass. Yeah, you should. Any beer, you should pour into a glass, except for maybe a Corona. 
I should be drunk out of a bottle. We don't know about that. It's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was 100 degrees outside. It tastes pretty dang good. Well, I think we got a question. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, we got a question from uh, one of our listeners. That's going to come up in a second. But let's go back to your book because, I mean, guys, let's, we're all on the set. Let's, first, let's, let's toast. These are all kind of the brains oh, of the man, business. I just, here we got I just drained that whole Brewer, <laughs> and he's part of the, the New York City Beer Week, the New York City Brewers Guild. A lot of cool things going up. James Ty, <laughs> Cheers. Uh, Cicerone. James, uh, learning to be uh, a beer guy. Yeah. So you took the Cicerone program. That I did. At what level are you at now? I'm currently a certified Cicerone. So that's a, that's a level two out of three. You know. And you also took the Micromatic course, right? I also took Micromatic. So to Kelly's point, um, it, it is, it, it's essential to um, make sure that the, the, bru- the, the draft system is uh, t- in tip-top shape because we want to maintain the intent of the brewer. And that, I think that's something that we do. Absolutely. And do, and do you think that, that like I know some of the places like Torst and, and uh, Greenpoint, they have, like, different, you know, regulators. Do you think that every draft line needs to have its own unique composition of gas and temperature? Or do you think that most... I mean, in an ideal world, fit in yeah, I mean, the they, they fit the, the way that most of us work with it. It's you have volume carbonation, which is kind of the unit that you're looking at for pressure. So I think most of them fit within three or four different categories. I mean, Taurus is really great because they have such a flexible system and uh, more power to them in, in that regard. Um, but I think for the most part, you're talking about, you know, your regularly carbonated beers, some of the more highly carbonated ones, such as your German wheats. And then you have also the nitro dispense lines. Um, and then you might want maybe something that's a little bit in between the highly carbonated and uh, the, the regular carbonated beers. Yeah, and I think also, you know, it's it's kind of hard because you can't just – you have you have to have some uh, restriction on the lines. Absolutely. And, and uh, the restriction – if you're going to, in an ideal world, you're going to change the restriction on the end of the line as the beer is, where the beer is coming out. So you could put a restriction faucet on there, which is $100 versus $20. Right. You know, I don't think anybody's really, very few places are going to do that. Right now. So, so, I mean, in an ideal world, every faucet will be a restrictor faucet and every line will have its own uh, gas mix on it. But that's just not, you know, kind of the reality of the situation. And in an ideal world, all the brewers will let us know what the volume carbonation is on every single product. Ah, yeah. that's a good point. So, in an ideal world, we'll we'll make we'd make a killing <laughs> instead of but doing on, this on for a month. So, that's probably why American craft beer is doing so well. Is that is that a lot of American craft brewers are are making their draft beer for like the, the American craft beer systems, right? I mean, uh, I don't. Think I understand I'm going too deep. Okay, <laughs> yeah, it's way too deep. No, let's just toast this. No, I let, think let, it's because it's delicious. It's delicious. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, let's. I'll give you an example. In in Germany, there's there's Schneider, one of our favorite breweries in, out, of, out of southern Germany, and uh, they require specific like, uh, you know, special tubings, and they're, they're a little. They need special, you know, s- systems to to come on draft properly. Right. You know, and I do feel like that that more of the American craft beers kind of are, are, are made the same way then they can go through the craft I don't know what I'm talking about but you guys are supposed yeah, to back me up yeah exactly <laughs> of course <laughs> of course well I mean here, here's the thing there, there should be a standard for dispense of, of beer and you should uh, I had somebody uh, one of the sales reps for a distributor call the other day and say hey uh, somebody's pushing your Pilsner on a Guinness gas system which is a, a 75% nitrogen uh, 25% 75, 25? 75% yeah, nitrogen, yeah. 25% CO2. So, so what, what's the gas pressure you recommend on that? And I said, I don't recommend that mix of gas at all for a Pilsner. That's just not that's, – that's a mix of gas for a beer that's flat and you want to keep it flat. For a Pilsner that's carbonated, you want to keep it carbonated, or, or Hefeweizen or any uh, uh, Captain Lawrence IPA. Th- these beers are carbonated. You can't push them with nitrogen unless you're doing a keg a day. And, and the gas mix doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're sitting on a keg for two or three days, you can't push it with that kind of pressure or with that kind of gas mix. You just can't. But people, the other side of the coin, people want to do the best they can, but they don't they don't want to put in a mixer box because a, a gas blender box costs eight hundred or a thousand dollars to put in, and then and then you've got to have two different sets of gases. You have to have a CO two and a and a nitrogen, and then that box blends them. But that's together. where I'm going. So like with you know, James, like your micromatic training and cisterns, <clears throat> these right. are the kind of things that you guys have to talk about, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, because you know you can't serve something that's not really where again where the brewer really want, wants that to be. You know. He, 
the brewer has a certain level of intention that 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 he or she has, you know, in putting out a product, and you want to as the curator of a beer program, you know, you really want to express that to its fullest, and you want to like maintain a certain sense of integrity when it comes to that. Yeah, I, mean, and I think. I, well, I think. I think most places, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think of mo- most places, depending on the, your run and what kind of top pressure you're going to need to, there's a certain amount of pressure you need to get the beer out of the keg. Period to the to the bar. You need to have a certain pressure, and then whatever that pressure is. Uh, will determine what your gas mix is. But as a general rule, you should have about 60 or 70% CO2, and then the remainder is a nitrogen gas. And that will do well for most of the beers on this table and most of the craft beers in the market. It'll keep their gas about where you want them to be within reason. Right. And you can adjust the pressures on the on the kegs up and down. So you can have little banks of pressure. Maybe these four beers are at 25 PSI and these four beers are at 30 PSI, but you have the same gas mix. And that should be fine. Really, you don't need to every, every single one uh, be be that specific because most by the time you pour it into a pint glass, it's it's going to be kind of irrelevant anyway, you know, because it's going to be how clean is the glass and how fast is it coming out and which bartender is pouring because some bartenders pour better than others, you know, it's just kind of a it's going to have to let it go at some point and not worry about it and enjoy the beverage for goodness sakes. <laughs> All right, <laughs> right. We we geeked out as far as I could, but I, I I'm glad yeah, you guys sorry. talked. About it. No, you, you you guys you know you, you, know, you know better to ask me questions <laughs> like that. It's, I, it's I start okay. talking, Jimmy starts glazing over. He's like, oh god, <laughs> you know, I got a question. Somebody else is asking. You're beer professionals. <laughs> Here, here's a, a a Twitter question from at Bossy Beer Girl. I love that. At Bossy Beer Girl. Uh, it's to Mike, because he just wrote this great book, Notes from the Captain Lawrence Tasting Room. Uh, Mike Malone. To Mike, why did you pick Captain Lawrence for your piece? Yeah, what's up with that? That's a great <laughs> question. Um, well, yeah. when I moved out of the city up to Westchester, they were uh, the local... Can I keep this? Yeah, keep Bossy Beer Girl. The first ever uh, question I've gotten on a radio show. Um <laughs> Uh, it's the it, internet. Don't get too curious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so when we moved up to, to Westchester, I think for a lot of people it was a bit of a shock. It was very quiet and, and just not a lot going on. And I just thought Captain Lawrence's original space in Pleasantville was the greatest place in the world. And I loved bringing my son and filling up my growler and talking with the guys and trying some samples. And uh, when they moved into the bigger space, it was still really close to my home. And I just thought I have to somehow take the things that I can do well and, and throw them toward Captain Lawrence and see if they will let me kind of marry my abilities with their considerably greater abilities. So all the time you, you were writing about uh, notes from the Captain Lawrence tasting room, did you get free beer? Uh, well, part of my remuneration package, a substantial part, is beer. So uh, I, I do get a certain allotment of beer um, every month, which uh, certainly right. comes in handy this time of year. That and mean, now let's get back yes. to <laughs> yes. we, we didn't get to talk about the local grain project as much, but we will uh, we'll be back in January with Kelly. Kelly, um, we have a great event every year called New York City Brewers Choice, which is part of the New York City Beer Week. Right. And this year with Kelly and Grow NYC and Green Markets, uh, all the brewers are going to be making uh, at least a small batch with some New York State malt. It's pretty great. Yeah, that should be that should be a lot of fun. Well, yeah, New York State's local grains, not all of them from New York State, but but uh, uh, a substantial portion of the grains will be coming from New York State, and um, the breweries will be all. Is it all New York uh, State breweries that are coming to I this event? It's pretty much predominantly New York State breweries. We may have a few guests from pretty, out of state. Pretty, pretty much predominantly. That'll yeah, be so February twenty sixth, and uh, it's near nycbrewerschoice dot com. But you guys also as. As a New York City brewer, you guys are the New York City Brewers Guild. Right. This will be your second year running New York right. City Beer Week. Right. Uh, what's coming up on Thursday? So uh, Thursday we have a fundraiser for the uh, the Brewers Guild. It's at uh, – the information's on our website, nycbrewersguild.com. And uh, the fundraiser is at the Brooklyn Brewery, the all 14 – uh, New York City licensed uh, beer producers and operators will be there, uh, bringing some special beers. We're bringing a uh, uh, we're bringing a Cabernet uh, barrel aged uh, Imperial IPA. Uh, Heartland's bringing uh, 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 holiday spiced uh, ale and, and bottles, which would be very exciting. And there's going to be about 35 different beers there, and that's a fundraiser for the Brewers Guild to for administrative costs to to promote Beer Week, which is the idea for Beer Week is to drive business to the retailers uh, during an off time of year, to promote craft beers in a, in a time of year that... We know uh, it, man, and we're looking you know, forward to you it. You know, just, just, just keep, keep, keep up the love, man. Keep, keep the beers Thursday. going. Cheers. All right. 
And James, you got a special event next week at Pinch. If anyone right. wants to go up to Yonkers, yep. So next Wednesday, there's a two-hour tap attack. Uh, five brewmasters, five different breweries. Everybody's going to be serving at their respective self-serve tap table. Uh, Mr. Kelly Taylor will be there. Is this like a throwdown? We're going to be doing throwdown. We'll thing? find out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think there's going to be a throwdown. I'll let you know at eight <laughs> fifteen. Can, can I put my mouth under the self-service tap? Yeah, yeah. You come up there. Yeah, yeah it's fine. Uh, I'd pay to see that actually. <laughs> yes. Then you don't have to wash your glasses. <laughs> no, yeah. that's right. Yeah. No glasses necessary. All right. Just get a straw. You guys, this has been a fun, and, and uh, we had to try, try a couple great beers tonight. Fantastic. James, you brought a California beer. We didn't get to try it. Which one was that? So it's a Hangar 24. Uh, it's the Hammerhead uh, from the Barrel Roll series. Uh, it's a barley wine that's Asian rye and bourbon. Wait, why didn't cast. we try that one? Uh, because there were so many great beers. Because I here. kept talking. God. We're gonna, I think we're going <laughs> to pop it now, and we're going to hang out at Roberta's. And Kelly, you brought yeah. the Pilsner, and then you brought a special, what, a quad box? There was the quad box. There's a, yeah, I brought the and we, Heartland just, quad box. This, all... this is on tap right now at Heartlands, and uh, you can also buy it uh, in the um, in the bottle at the uh, Houston Hall uh, restaurant. Nice. So they have these bottles for sale for like 18 bucks, right. which is really they, – they price these things at a ridiculously low de- level. I don't know. $18 for a 10% alcohol quad mm. box. That's Stop. Only, Shut up. <laughs> you know, it's like, come on. I know you're doing great things with Kelso and Heartland, and, I, and I, I'm due for another visit because I, I love coming to your brewery. But you don't have a tasting room, do you? No. Well, Tasty for you, yeah. For you, we do, yeah. Heartland, but it's easy. We don't, we don't, we don't, need, we don't need glasses for you. <laughs> <laughs> just right up to the tank. All right. And, and, and Micah, you got your book. Uh, yep. You brought us uh, the liquid gold from Captain Lawrence, which is actually I think that's 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 a really great beer, and I'm glad you brought it. I haven't had it in a couple of years. I also am a big fan of the Captain Lawrence, the Imperial IPA, Yeah, which is one of their first bottled items. Yeah, which, I noticed they I have it at the bar out. here. Yeah, that's a great one, too. Yeah, it so is. It's, it is. Been a, it's been a great show. We talked a little about Westchester. We talked about... You know, local beers and the New York City Beer Week fundraiser coming up this week. I'd like to thank our sponsors at greatbrewers.com who helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. And check out the Good Beer Seal. If you want to learn more about places to drink good beer in New York City, go to goodbeerseal.com. There's over 40 bars that uh, promote and support good craft beer. Thanks to James, Kelly, and Mike for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Inslee, Maggie Seiden, and Justin Kennedy, and engineer Joe Galarraga, and Evan. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. All right. Cheers. Thanks, Cheers. Jimmy. Salute. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.